0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash, and I'm joined here after a devastating Game Six loss, the 97-86 loss to the Bucks of Milwaukee in Milwaukee. I'm joined by Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. How are you, Jackson?
2: Yeah, I'm all right considering, that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say. Uh, and we're here with Leetspeak, one of the. Uh, Boston Celtics mods thanks for joining us all the way from Amsterdam today so obviously we're here to talk about the uh, the game six loss Uh, it was looking pretty tense there for a little while during the fourth quarter uh, I just had to put my computer down I had to stop taking notes and just like like vibe out just live through the uh, the experience for what it was and uh, didn't come away feeling particularly good as I can't imagine you guys did Uh, Jackson what are your, uh, your overall thoughts on the the game six experience
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to get swept up with the emotion because that would have been obviously ideal to win it in six, to win it in their building, to, like, you know, sacrifice the meme, you know, as appropriately as you possibly could by putting them out in six. Um, But yeah, no, it wasn't to be. It was a very, very streaky game. I think it was the most, uh, the streakiest of the series thus far. You know, it felt like they had a run, we had a run, they had a run, we had a run. Um, And they just typically timed theirs better or theirs just went on for a little bit longer. And I think the crowd, I think the home court had a lot to do with that there. Um, There was a great point made on the post-game thread by user uh, AppBeer, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, And it was uh, documenting the runs that Milwaukee went on at the end of uh, every every quarter there so at the first they went on a 7-0 run against us in the second a 12 and 2 in the third a 13 and 4 and in the fourth a 17 and 8 so talk about timing and the times you don't want to give up runs you know the end of the quarters is definitely what is is the case for sure um I mean if you look at the box score it looks like the second was the really the only you know aber- bad quarter, I guess you could say, um, the way the scores broke down everywhere else. But I mean, it just, I had no idea who was going to win that towards the end of the end, end of the fourth. Um, but, um, yeah, unfortunately Milwaukee just, uh, just got away from us.
1: Yeah. I think this was uh, one of our nights that nobody shot particularly very well. And that is really, really tough on the team. Uh, I thought Morris and smart were in the game, um, for extended periods and, I think Brad could have done better with the lineups sometimes to cut off um, some of their hot runs, especially what um, Jackson just called out. I I don't usually don't blame Brad, but um, I thought he could have done better with the timeouts and stopping some of their streaks and... It was a game of runs and ultimately I, I feel like we, we did a really bad job handling that in the fourth quarter, especially when it mattered most.
0: Yeah, I feel like sometimes Brad Stevens tries to channel his inner, inner Phil Jackson and like let the guys play through adversity where really he should just like be more of a textbook coach and just call the timeouts and, and allow the guys to collect themselves and recover. Yeah, You said it was a game of runs. One thing that I really liked that was consistent, obviously, you know, a, a game of runs implies inconsistency and a back and forth back and forth between the two teams. Uh, Shemi Ojale's defense on Giannis was just incredible, again. Um, and obviously, Giannis is going to make those insane sort of spin slash travel step away, fade away shots or whatever you want to call them. Um, but, like, not only that, whenever Shemi was switched off of Giannis, our rotations, uh, particularly earlier in the game, uh, and our recoveries to switch... Shemi back onto Giannis were impeccable. I think if we can continue that heading into Game Seven in our house, and at this point of the series, no no team has won a game on the road. Um, it's that kind of thing that's going to spur us onto a Game Seven victory. But um, just an intense game, and um, you know, there are obviously some good performances uh, from individuals in our team, but like we just couldn't put it together with enough consistency to, to pull out the win. Unfortunately, uh, I want to talk about some individual performances. Uh, in the game, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 31 points, 14 boards, 4 assists. For the first time in the series, I think, we held Chris Middleton to under 20 points. In his 39 minutes, he only put up 16. Uh, but Giannis's beastly game was enough to, to get it done. Looking at our team, though, Jason Tatum sort of came alive in the second half there. After a few plays early on, 22 points, 3 assists, and 3 boards. Jalen Brad also came alive, um, scoring the majority of his points in the second half. We talked yesterday, Jackson... And with Joe as well, uh, maybe you want to weigh, on the, weigh in on this late speak um, that it was going to take the Jays to come alive and, and, and do a lot of scoring to get us through this game as the Bucks would um, predictably adjust their defense to, to cover our great pick and roll play that we um, exhibited in game five. Um, what did you think of the Bucks' adjustments late speak, and what, and what did you think about um, Tatum and Brown and, and how, they, uh, how they show out this game?
1: Yeah, yeah, they I thought the Bucs did a great job adjusting for Um uh, Maker was a really big player in this game in particular. Um I think that um at, and we 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 ourselves made some bad decisions, but I credit their defense a lot. Um I think as you guys saw that we were just overpassing a lot. Nobody wanted to take it and we nearly took up um the entire um 24 seconds just passing and then on the last on the on the last uh, when we when we really have to shoot it, somebody just jacks it up and it's a it's an ugly attempt that was forced. Um and I think we saw that a lot in that fourth quarter in particular. Um Jason Tatum was impressive um trying to drive to the basket. He recognized a lot a lot of players were in foul trouble, hopefully, and that we weren't making our shots. And he was successful. And I'm seeing that more and more as games go on, which is really exciting because it's the playoffs and he's our rookie so um, I think he made He tried to take the the game into his hands, and I think that's really important for him as a player and us as a team for moving forward.
2: Yeah, he had some. He had a lot of big moments there, Tate, and particularly towards the end of the game. I mean, that, that step back three that he hit that knocked the, that I think got the down to like I can't remember how what the lead was, but it was a significant shot there. Um, and he tried it again the next play too, and it didn't quite go the same way. But then I remember he was getting in the way. He got a few steals in that game that are that, that I remember that were quite timely there. Um, but one of which I think he got immediately after turning the ball over and like you know that's not an indictment on him I mean he's a rookie after all I mean and this is his first playoff series and in a you know a hostile you know away situation you know those things are bound to happen there but um I thought Jalen was probably a little bit disappointing I mean I thought he was solid for the most part the thing that sticks out in my mind was probably when he had that three-point play when Maker fouled him which is fifth foul um, he then he hit the first one and then he just completely like front rimmed. He just almost, it was like all borderline air ball almost the, the next two shots. And you just felt like, you know, there were moments, there were too many moments like that that kind of just stick out but that just really felt like it was our window to, to go on a massive run of our own or to like, you know, keep the run going longer than it did. And that, I think that would have really, you know, ended up making a significant difference. Even if we ended up losing, it would have been, you know, we could have at least been within possession. <clears throat> Pardon me or two towards the end of there um and yeah so obviously disappointing i didn't think anyone's particularly bad i did not think anyone's particularly good either um but yeah to be fair I've, I've had this feeling as much as i didn't want to admit it like it would have gone seven games probably right from the start just given the you know who we're lacking yeah. who they don't have injured as well too so um look it's it, it is what it is it's unfortunate but you know we're we've got game seven at home so i think there's plenty of reasons to still feel optimistic
0: yeah, I, I think we'll get to our Game 7 predictions. I don't feel quite so optimistic. I will get to that uh, in a few moments' time. Uh, a couple more notes from the game. I, one thing I noticed is that it didn't really seem like the Bucks were doing anything special on the defensive end besides just playing really hard, which is what they've done in their house so far this season. It seems to have been the difference. We were talking about it last night. It's like whenever we play in Milwaukee in this series, it's like you're playing 2K and um, like someone turns up the difficulty. Uh, and suddenly, like it's much harder to play the game. Yeah. Um. And it feels like that whenever we play in Milwaukee. Um. And other than like uh, playing really hard and and fighting through screens, um, they just weren't really doing anything special. I thought on the defensive end, and the Celtics were just not really passing or moving the ball. Um. So if we can, you know, take this back home and and do what we've been doing at home, and hopefully the Bucks and their uh, role players, which only really perform well at home, um, go back or regress to their usual on the road mean. Um, Hopefully we can get that Game 7 win. But, um, you know, we've got to worry about guys like Giannis, um, the best player in the series by far, you know, coming in with the opportunity to win one game for his team and and winning the series in in just, you know, a 48-minute stretch. So um, that's something we'll get to in a little bit uh a few more notes i want to address uh before we move on to to game seven did you guys notice the the very brief uh moose experiment <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a small portion of the game one of my terrible terrible hot takes uh leading into game five i think it was was that we'd get a good quality offensive stretch from uh from greg Monroe, which did not happen and it, even though he, he got the minute to this game um that absolutely did not happen either uh his his entire stretch on the court was absolutely terrible. Even when he did manage to get an offensive rebound, he would just completely like screw up the play, either put up a terrible shot or just like turn the ball over immediately. I don't know. Did you guys have any thoughts on uh, on Moose, Greg Monroe? Not really? <laughs> no surprises there. <laughs> Sorry, I was just waiting to see if anyone else had a, a heart attack than me. Um, yeah, look, it's disappointing,
2: no. <laughs> obviously. I mean, we... There are times when, you know, he's he's very handy to have. There's times when he's he, he can you know, he can he can get fouled, he can make free throws, he can, you know, put a purse move in here and there, but um no, nah, he's been he's been very much out of the rotation for all of this series here. I felt like if the Bucks do go small and they play Giannis at the five, like you feel like that would be the the ideal time for him to um to come in and just add a little bit more you know length on the court to us there, but um it hasn't worked out um you know it, the experiment as we saw as brave as it was didn't work out and that was kind of the end of that and um yeah it's um it's disappointing but um I mean, he's not really the guy we need to look to to get uh offense or, or or even defense to be perfectly fair I thought in terms of like guys come off the bench I think I expect Morris to do a little bit better I mean I, he had that amazing streak you know about a month or two ago um when he was averaging like 25 like just almost effortlessly and his shot looks so good but um he's been rather ineffective this series too so um obviously i'm unfortunate that morris isn't getting um sorry unfortunate that monroe isn't getting involved or like contributing as much as he could but um i feel like morris should really be picking up the slack in that respect
1: to add to that i i think i've been one that hasn't been that big of a fan of moose as others um I thought he had. To, it took a, a long time in for in the season to make uh, to be effective. And like Jackson mentioned, it was towards the end of the year the, of the season that he actually um, was showing some great numbers. I think he had um, some double doubles even, and that was really impressive. But I thought that was towards the end of the year when the games weren't so important. So um, yeah. then I didn't actually that didn't really win over my favor. But as we saw here in the playoffs, um, he looks really languid on on um, defense. I think he. And he, you know, he has an occasional tip or something, uh, or grabs um, a rebound. Some post presence is good, but I don't see any of that offsetting. It's really, really lazy defense. I think I, I, I actually thought he would do a lot more when he joined, but um, maybe, maybe um, it'll take him some more time. But yeah, I feel like it's been a long time, and I, we haven't seen his true potential yet. He hasn't really showed us that.
0: Now the Celtics, they went on a run, an 18-6 run towards the latter part of the third quarter. Uh, at which point Jalen Brown came alive and there were a few instances of a, of a Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum connection, which were really promising. At that point, um, Horford was also incredibly essential. It seemed like every time he touched the ball, good things were happening. But then heading into the fourth quarter, like we, we tensed up a little bit. It was really, really tense. I know the guys on the court were tense. You could feel it. And me sitting on the couch at home, I was... Super tense as well. How were you guys feeling uh, heading into that fourth quarter after that third quarter run? Um, and what were your thoughts down the stretch as we ultimately sort of gave the game away in the end there? Yeah, well, well like I said, like I said I'll, about
2: five minutes before the end, I still had no idea who was going to win it. It was just, again, whether the streaking, you know, um, you know, they go, we go um, dynamic was remaining throughout. And I, I just didn't know because I still feel like even though they've got the best player, I feel like we're still a far superior team to them, obviously when we're on our court, that shows when they're on their court, that's contrary. But um, no, I I still felt like we could have pulled it out. But um, when they they did start to pull away, Giannis again, like he's their guy. Like, I mean, as good as Middleton was, like we we talked about Middleton earlier, but like he took eight shots, but he made seven of them. He was the only one who was really like, looked like a uh, shooting the three reliably. And he, yeah, they only gave him eight shots, which was, I think was just, you know, remarkable, but nevertheless, Giannis did, to take twenty three ended up with thirty one points. So when he gets involved and when they're playing through him, and he's getting you know those um those fallaways separation jumpers like in the paint, you know they're they're money for most of the day, and they just we couldn't hit their shots, and they just going to kept going to him. They they were in we were in foul trouble, I think throughout that game a lot. I felt like they were they took a lot of free throws. I haven't looked at the what the numbers were there. So I might be wrong on that, but it just felt like they were at the line a lot more there. So um, yeah, look, uh, it was remaining optimistic until about a minute to go or about two minutes to go. But then, um, you know, look, as this point as it is, you kind of just got to look forward to game seven at this point.
1: Yeah. I, I always feel really good after, um, after we play well. And if we're within like, say single digit game uh, going into the fourth, um, I admit, I, I didn't feel that as much this game, just because we were at their home and, um it was a streaky game already at that point so i didn't know if we had it in us um i admit i even had that feeling going into the fourth quarter already it was one of those games where we're just like on the brink of 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 getting the lead but you know there's always a hump where like we start taking really bad shots or we start fouling um or yeah just that kind of it was that kind of game that I, it it made me a little more skeptical going in
0: yeah and i think we got in the penalty there in the third quarter with like 8 minutes remaining um, and while we were playing well during that stretch of the game, we were just giving away too many tiki tack fouls, maybe some, uh, some dodginess I want to say on the, on the referee's part, although it's easy to say, you know, from the losing team's perspective post game, but it just seemed like there were some tiki tack calls that are, are not sort of commensurate to, to sort of the playoff calls you would expect. Normally they let them play, uh, a little bit more roughly during the post season, these calls are getting the bucks to the line throughout the majority of the third quarter, which really killed us. The referee has been
2: consistently poor all game for us and for them. I think we got away with a, with a couple of blatant fouls there. I mean, you could just you know go over plenty of things that have happened so far, like in their favor and our favor. So I feel like it, it, as much as it, it's hard to not criticize the referees when they do miss something obvious, particularly when it goes against you. But um, I feel like that's almost been like a, just almost like a non-factor. Like the, it's, it, it, it obviously is, but it feels, I feel like it's balancing itself out. And I feel like obviously with the game seven coming up, if you, you do, you can't predict, it, but you feel like that will lean towards the home ground, you never know though you never know, but yeah, it's been consistently bad throughout
0: yeah, now look, um, I haven't prepared you guys for this. bear with me we this is our first post game podcast where we've lost a game up until this point uh Jackson Joe, and myself have always found a way to to sort of dog out of a uh for lack of a better term a podcast um just from purely being bummed out after a loss, which is understandable, you know you know how it is if you're a fan. But uh, end of game six, we've potentially only got one game left in the Celtic season. Um, so we really need to take this opportunity to, to talk. But I wanted to end on at least one optimistic note that I made from this game uh, and then throw to you guys uh, and see if you've got any. Scary Terry, Terence Terrence, aka Terry Rogier, 11 first quarter points. He he came out uh, like the Terry Rogier that we know and love from later in the season and maybe early in this postseason. Uh, with a lot of tenacity, uh, he had a great steal on Bledsoe. Uh, where, like Joe said yesterday, we're not particularly good on the fast break, so we weren't able to finish off of that steal. However, it was a good sign to see Terry coming out with that tenacity and confidence and hitting some shots. He, he hit a bank shot quite early, which is like uh, I wrote down here, activated scary Terry. After that, he sort of came alive and started hitting these shots uh, with a bit more confidence. Um, he had a nice baseline floater early, and he ISO'd on a contested three, which went down. Uh, that's not a shot that would have gone down in these past few games, which has maybe killed us, particularly on the road. That is something that gives me confidence, heading back into game seven. Uh, If Scary Terry, Terry Rogier, is back to his usual old self and he is hitting these shots down with confidence and maybe he's shaken off uh, some of the jitters from this controversy with Eric Bledsoe, that's a really good sign for us. Uh, What are your thoughts? Uh, I want to hear your positive thoughts, your your confidence, your optimistic uh, thoughts and predictions going into game seven.
2: You know what? I feel like if Eric Bledsoe was actually playing anywhere near a competent level of basketball this series, I almost feel like Terry Rozier would be matching him. Like, I mean, the the games that Terry's been good in, particularly game one, he didn't really come alive until the fourth quarter and, and, and overtime. Same with this game. Started out very well and then kind of went missing after that. I feel like if there's a lot been made out of the whole roger bledsoe thing but i feel like if, if bledsoe has was elevated his game and was really taking it to it i almost feel like we might be getting more out of terry roger in a way that could be totally wrong but um i just feel like because he's such a non-factor like that roger is not really have has that personal sort of battle to really like sink his teeth into but nevertheless yeah now look it is optimistic i mean i don't know where i'm going with this sorry <laughs> i like terry roger
0: good for him <laughs> we love him we all love him uh let's speak what are your thoughts
1: yeah. Um I'll talk about Rosier in particular. Um, before he was even deemed scary Terry, um, summer leak Terry, if you guys remember. Uh we saw us um, oh yeah. So excited <laughs> to see him in the summer, but then he always disappeared during the year. So we knew inconsistency was always yeah. a big thing. I too was really bummed to see him um uh struggle in Milwaukee, especially after the blood so drama. I think that could have uh, I think I think he couldn't have cared less about it, but um I think it was just the playoff jitters when we were in that we were in their building and we played like a completely different team. Um, one that I've never seen before and definitely not the Boston Celtics. But um, yes, that, that spurt that we saw was really exciting. I have no doubt he'll perform well at home. I think the whole team will perform a lot better at home. I don't think this was even close to a good game for the Celtics. Um, we should have fed Horford the ball more. Um, a lot of our guys weren't shooting that well. Um, and of course, Giannis and Milton were draining their shots. So, um, great offense on the, on their end there. Um, but I feel really good in, in Boston. Um, I think I've, I've gone to games one and two, and the atmosphere is great, and I know we're going to turn it up an extra notch just because it's a game seven there, and they're always legendary in Boston.
0: Are you going to be home uh, back in the, the general Boston area for game seven?
1: No, I have a layover in, Bo- in uh, Toronto. Of course, the worst place possible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, but um, I'll be paying for like thirty dollars Wi-Fi, crappy Wi-Fi, just to watch the game. Um, I'm so sad I can't go, but um, I have no doubt that everyone in the building is going to be absolutely ecstatic. Um, I know Game Five, which I which I missed, was really really crazy back there too.
0: Yeah, I bet. Um, but you know, you you got to do what you got to do, and uh, if the Wi-Fi is thirty bucks to to get the game uh, into your eyeballs, and that's what you got to do. Uh, now, Ben's maybe, just
2: sitting there shaking his head, being like, Toronto Wi Fi, I had fucking Bali Wi Fi. Yeah. <laughs> I had plane Wi Fi. I had
0: Garuda Air Wi Fi flying to Bali from Sydney, um, which just like refused video streaming. So it was just, and refused yeah. Twitter even. So it was just like refreshing the game thread. Thank you, Reddit. Um, it was basically everyone on the game thread and their hot takes that were just sort of like carry me through the game and I had to formulate an image for myself. But, you know, like I said, you got to do what you got to do. And, Whatever you uh, can do to stay on top of the game. Now, at by Jay King, J King, uh, J. King uh, of the Locked On Celtics podcast tweeted out Terry Rogier. This is a, a post game interview tweet. Terry Rogier asked about what he took from the experience of last year's game seven. And he replied in part Kelly Olinick helped us a lot. Um, <laughs> Kelly Olinick is not walking through that door, ladies and gentlemen. We are, <laughs> we, we are not going to have the clinic on board. Uh, for this game. I want to throw to the post-game thread now to shout out some of the Reddit users. Idiosonic is calling out Brad Stevens. So tell me what you guys think about this. He says, with 5.36 remaining in the fourth, we were down three. We shot seven straight threes until a minute 34 remaining, making only one. And by then, the Bucks were up 11. That entire time, Maker was on the court with five fouls and Middleton had four. Can somebody explain that coaching? Why didn't we take a shot inside the three-point line for four Freaking minutes, especially when they had two very important plays in deep foul trouble. The game's on Brad for that. That's why we lost. Maybe this is a bit of a keyboard warrior take. Um, I'm I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this. He's sort of calling out Brad Stevens' uh, decision making there, which is rare for a Celtics fan. What What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I mean, there's a there's there's a modicum of truth to it. Obviously, I mean, mm. you feel like if we attacked the paint a little bit more, even if we, you know, those guys were quite tall and long, they could have been rejected. You know, they definitely could have drawn some fouls there. So I feel like that maybe could have been something that we, you know we formulated those shots inside the paint or just non threes a little bit better, but um, look, I, I find it very, very hard to criticize Brad Stevens and that, you know, obviously I could just be accused of being a Celtics homer there and whatnot. And that's completely fair. He's not perfect. Obviously. I think like everyone tries looks to Brad Stevens just to have an answer to absolutely everything. But you know, the dude can only, you know, put use what he's got there. And if the players don't execute, you know, who knows, maybe you did say get in more, maybe you don't know what his instructions were there. And it, it there's so many things that can happen that can go into, you know, plays breaking down or shots not falling down or, you know, getting turnovers and whatnot. So, look, I mean, I, I couldn't criticize him too much because I don't really, I couldn't explain what was going wrong there. But, I mean, yeah, of course we could have could have managed that there. And if it, if they did, would they have said that's a great play from Stevens or would they have said, oh, so-and-so made big shots there. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's obviously a bit of truth to it, but I'm not going to, you know, crucify him for that.
1: Yeah, I don't pin Brad for this e- either. Um, I thought our shots, looked, I, I don't think we followed plays. And Brad tried to, as as we normally see, try to let us play and try to get warmed up and get acquainted and with each other and then get rolling. But I think uh, he could have done something earlier on, but I don't pin that on him because, you know, if nobody's banking, then nobody's banking. It's, you know, what can be done about that? Obviously, I'm a, I'm a hardcore Brad Stevens fan, but... Um, to pin him for the the that series of plays that in particular we know he's the playmaster, but that was a transition of events that I think are uh, no, no, nobody on the team could actually hit anything, and uh, we were overpassing and overshoot, uh, well taking some really poor attempts. So um, I think Brad was just trying to get somebody to do something.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we really had nothing going down at that point, and it got beyond the point where we needed to hit singles and we needed to hit home runs, but unfortunately, you know, none of them are going down and that's just what happens. Uh, Dan Greenberg at Still Greeny tweeted out 11 of the 23 field goal attempts in the fourth quarter were threes. 15 of their 19 fouls came in the second half. The Celts shot 36% over the final 24 minutes, which actually seems quite high to me. Um, I felt like a lot less of their shots were going down, but uh, that's the way it went. Back to the post-game thread, Enter Galactic 3005, a simple one, I absolutely despise Milwaukee. Now, I <laughs> I, I didn't mind the Bucs. like I've always I've always enjoyed the Bucs. They're like a fun young team. Uh, obviously Giannis is a bit of a unicorn. Um, and we've never really quite had the relationship with Bucks um, fans or the Bucks themselves that we do with like the Cavs or the Raptors or Washington. Um, and everything was quite amicable uh, between the two fan bases heading into this series. Uh, now, we, a, a playoff series will do that to you, I guess, but we seem to hate each other a lot. There's been a number of Bucks fans in the game threads and post-game threads just like serial downvoting everybody, it seems, um, which, you know, if you've got nothing better to do with your time, idiot Bucks fan, that that's fine. But uh, it's just interesting how things... Um, come to fruition like this where it's all friendly and amicable and then you get to a point where you just despise each other and i'm so sick of the bucks i really wanted us to win this game not just to close out the series but just to not have to worry about the bucks or think about the bucks ever again i guess for me
2: it's like there are some franchises that you hate because of the history, like the Lakers, obviously is number one. Um, but you, are, like I said, that you respect them and you, you appreciate, you know, what they can bring to the table, regardless of who of who plays there, just based on the, the 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 rivalry between Boston and and LA. Similar to basically the team LeBron James is on, because we all know what he's capable of. We all know the the, the player that he is. But you know, you, you you want to see him lose. You want to beat him so bad. So there's all these things. But like, I feel like then you've got another bracket of of teams, like the Washingtons, the Torontos, the Milwaukee's. These sort of like upstart if you could say that sort of teams. And you just feel like it, it can be, you know, it's probably the epitome epitome of arrogance me saying this, but you just feel like they don't really have a leg to stand on because of they've just either been irrelevant for so long or they've been irrelevant for, you know, the majority of their time. Now, I know that's probably inviting a lot of fire if we end up getting beaten by them. But look, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I don't hate any one team or fan base. I was very close with Washington last year, which, I mean, the more I think about it, the, there are a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels between this series and that series that we had with the Wizards last year. But, I mean, look, th- they're going to talk shit if they win. We're going to talk shit if we win. At the end of the day, I, I don't hate them, but I re—I really, really am growing to, to love the, the idea of, or lo- love the thought of, seeing them beaten and just kind of you know reading the yeah as petty as it is really going <laughs> to their board and just reading all of the bitching i'm sure that they'll they'll have when they lose but look hey it, it, it's it is what it is and you know game sevens and rivalries and niggly little you know um yeah, back and forth between fans it's what makes the game so you know i think we've got a we've got something good set up here for game seven
0: yeah and it's like joe has said um like we've got this little google hangouts uh chat that we 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 normally record through and we talk uh throughout the games he was just saying to me because i was kind of freaking out during the fourth quarter um like just relax man like just enjoy being a fan and like these feelings that you're feeling it's part of being a fan and like that's the part that you should be enjoying um but yeah enjoy the ride (laughs) i know right (laughs) These uh (laughs) these guys out in new zealand i don't know what they're smoking but uh no anyway you know he's always the the steadying the ship. Joe's kind of our Marcus Smart, so i'll uh, shout out to Joe. Um but y- you want to be able to go and talk shit to fans, right? Like that's the fun. And you know, to be one game away from potentially not being able to do that, uh it hurts as well as, you know, potentially not seeing our Celtics uh until, you know, October or so next year. Now, at speak. I don't know if it's a conflict of interest for you as a Celtics subreddit moderator to um to speak on the fans of other teams and other subs but uh you know we were just talking there about our feelings towards uh, bucks fans and the team themselves um before we wrap this up have you have you got any thoughts there
1: sure uh i there are whiny fans from every fan base as you know i don't know who (laughs) has the time to just go and downvote any possible comment about um, uh, an after game play or something like that, but it happens, and there are some uglier comments that you guys don't see just because we filter them out if they contain particular words. So, box um, mm-hmm. particular, you know, I a lot of people saw them as the underdog just because of our two seed, but you know, um, that two seed was a lot of it was momentum and you know uh, that winning streak. We were we aren't with a lot of our, our our great our two greatest players, and everyone knows that. So, I think mm-hmm. that um enabled a lot of their their bad fans i would say um to become extra ex- extra annoying in our game threads um and we have our our own fans um that go into their subreddit too so this i feel like this nature is inevitable um it's just you know like you guys were saying when you talk on hangouts when you know sometimes i post absurdities during the game i'm like oh my gosh i you know i'm shaking and I'm like that's the that's the thing about being a fan and you're gonna you know that's the excitement you get and I love that. Um, you're gonna you're gonna say some dumb shit sometimes. You're gonna react easily. Hmm. Like I, I think I actually punched somebody during game one or two. Um, just <laughs> I, like, I got up really quickly and I just hit somebody. Um, and it's these things that you're impulsive that causes people to do that. But I think um, I don't hate the Bucks at all personally. Um, I think Bloodso is a fool. I Never actually liked him um, even in on other teams. So I think he's just hot-headed and. Um, It was a careless mistake by Terry Rozier that was turned into this kind of um, this. Well, what people deem as a fight, but I think it's really nothing. So uh, I think it's been a great match. I'm really excited um, for this game seven. I think it'll it'll actually that all this stuff building up to this crazy game will be even more exciting for that reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Now, look, that's. Almost all we have time for today. Before we uh, wrap this up, I want to hear a very quick predictions heading into game seven uh, from each of you. We'll, we'll start with Jackson. We're going to win this game. We're going to lose this game. Uh, who's going to show out? What are your thoughts? We're going to. Of course, we're going to win this game. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, no. Um, yeah, look, I. I honestly
2: believe that. I honestly feel like we are the favorites just based on the evidence of this series so far. You know, the home team, has won six games straight. So it's going to take, I think, subpar performances from key players from us, Ala Al Horford. Um, it's going to take a big, big performance from the likes of Middleton and Giannis, who have performed in this series so far we haven't seen those two play big together and then have other players contribute as well like i think the probably the closest player you could get to having a, a big impact for them is brogdon who is i don't know if he's still on a mince restriction but he seems to be popping up with big baskets here and there look i think as long as i think as long as hofford plays well I think if we play hard, I think if we take care of the basketball too, I think we limit our turnovers and just make the right plays there, which are, these are all, you know, cliched obvious things to say here, but I think I, I don't see us losing this game without a real 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 bed shitting sort of uh <laughs> there it <is> result again. <laughs> from everyone across the board. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I'm going to predict I'm going to predict another I'm going to predict like another game five you know we're going to have like a 10 12 point lead all the way it's never going to feel comfortable they'll keep pushing it up and getting close we'll keep pushing away getting away and i can see us wrapping it up by i don't know maybe like six points
0: yeah good call uh let's speak what are your thoughts heading into game seven
1: i absolutely agree with jackson um i think horford is always a catalyst i can't believe he only took so little attempts this game um when he's usually on fire, he can really make his own shot, which is key for us, and he plays great defense. So I'm um, expecting big minutes out of him and more shot attempts. Hopefully we, we feed him the ball more because he really needs it. Um, hoping Ojale continues um, defending well. Uh, he's been a really big piece in in um, adjustments for this series, and I hope to continue seeing him uh, perform really well and then uh, suppress expectations. And our, I think Tatum, um, Rozier, and Brown will play better as well. Um, I'm hoping from the whole team to see less three-pointers jacked up um, that was really big downfall in this game and as over with the past games turnovers were absolutely key uh, especially when we were well all the games that we were away including this this latest one um, that when we take care of the ball it's just uh, it leads to great things it's no it's no science there it's just it's we struggle to do that in another uh, when we're on the road and I think at home just having that home court advantage will make us less prone to making mistakes and taking bad shots.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you guys have both got the Celtics winning game 7 uh, at home at TD Garden. I uh am cautiously optimistic um and and somewhat pessimistic. I, ho- I, I hate to end the podcast on this note, but I just feel like Giannis um him heading into a game 7 of any series and you know, the, the sort of power that he has as, as an individual out there on the court, him walking onto the court thinking, okay, all I have to do is go out there and be the best Giannis that, that I can be and have shown to be and I can win this game for my team and for my city. Um, that's all I have to do. Like, I, And I feel like it's within his capability to do that. Like he's that good and we don't quite have anyone with that ability. That that scares me um, as someone who desperately wants us to win. Uh And uh, I also am concerned about whether or not the moment, the Game 7 moment, you know, playing for a storied franchise like the Celtics in a Game 7 of of a postseason uh, for guys like Jason Tatum and Shemi Ojale and even Jalen Brown, whether or not the moment will be too massive for those guys. Uh, Having said that, if I had to bet my life on it, if I had to bet money on it, I would choose the Celtics because no one's won on the road so far this season and for all the points that you guys have already emphasized. um, I just think that it's going to lean towards favoring the home team. Um, and for that reason, I guess, to end on a positive note, uh, I picked the Celtics as well, although I'm scared shitless of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, mm-hmm. and fairly enough, I think. Uh, look, thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, thank you, uh, Speak, joining us all the way from Amsterdam at 5 a.m. I, I would imagine the sun is, uh, is coming up there, um, and hopefully your day is a good one, despite the result we saw uh, tonight.
1: Yeah yeah it was it was a pleasure thank you so much and um you know on your note um the Celtics are definitely going to win so <laughs> i hope you're not going in very antsy i have a lot of confidence in the team maybe it's just me I-
0: <laughs> no I appreciate that that's that's genuinely going to help me sleep at night so thank you <laughs> guys uh, that's just about all the time we have uh, for this episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast Jackson all the way from Newcastle sunny Newcastle home of uh, one Ben Simmons thank you very much for joining us again thank you very much man appreciate it guys we'll see you uh, again in a couple of days we've got game 7 coming up at 8pm I believe on Saturday night in Boston that's Sunday 10am Sydney Australia time can't wait Enjoy the game and we'll see you guys afterwards. Peace.